Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fulton. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume, Volume 1. 1. Bill Dundee, Super Mix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling this is Steve Wilson, the man behind the Monster Congo Kong, and you are listening to the Russellville Podcast. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Steve Wilson, a.k.a. Congo Kong. How are you doing, Steve? Not too bad. Chilling on a Monday. How about yourself? I'm doing I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining me. It's good to have you. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Steve, for, for those who are tuning in, maybe tuning in for the first time to my show, please tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your career and what have you been doing in wrestling? Uh, yeah, I started back in 1998, you know, back before internet was a, a popular thing. And uh, we used to have to trade tapes in order to know who anybody was on the independent circuit. Uh, since then, I've, I've managed to uh, to fly around the world a couple of times and, uh, you know, wrestle in places like India and China. Uh, I've been to Puerto Rico, all over Canada. Also uh, spent two years on Impact Wrestling. Uh, you know, most notable uh, feud would be Congo Kong versus the Monsters Monster Abyss in a Monsters Ball match, uh, which to this day still has one of the highest viewing counts uh, for any of Impact's videos. What was that experience like wrestling on television, wrestling for Impact? Uh, it was different. It was new. It was... Um, it was uh i don't know it was it was it was fun it was exhilarating it was uh it was the change i needed in my career at that point because i i think i made the uh the promise to myself that if nothing had happened you know within a year or something like that then i would uh you know start looking for something different to do or whatever but then you know doors started opening and ways were being made and uh, I got the opportunity to to be viewed worldwide. Right, right, and you know you're you're kind of like um, like an attraction wrestler, right? Kind of like you're you're this big guy, uh, kind of like a larger than life character. Do you do you wrestle in handicap matches, or I mean, what 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 kind of styles of matches are you you wrestling when you when you travel? I wrestle all types, uh, mostly singles, but yeah, I've done the handicap matches. I used to, at one point, I was considering myself a master of putting together a handicap match, you know, do the tag thing from time to time. Uh, not too many, uh, what we call gimmick matches, you know, where there's some sort of uh, stipulation or obstacle involved, you know, like a ladder match or a hardcore match. Definitely not death matches, uh, just not my, my, my deal. And I guess, you know, for a character like mine, it doesn't have to be, you know, people will pay to come see me go in there and really they just want to be entertained. They want to see me uh, beat up somebody, you know. 
talk a little bit about the the feud that you had with the Monster Abyss and how, how that started, how did it play out, and you know what was that? I guess that that big final match like. Um, it started off with uh, my manager Jimmy Jimmy Jacobs wanting to call out uh, Joseph Parks, uh, the uh, Abyss alternative character. And, you know, see, get him, challenge him to a match so that Kong could become the new monster of impact. And it took a while, took some, some doing and, you know, I had to destroy his office and I had to destroy, threaten to beat up his grandmother. And uh, finally, uh, they brought back uh, James Mitchell, you know, to represent Abyss. And, uh, you know, he brought Abyss out of the... Uh, wherever this is from, forgive me. And eventually it it uh it led to a Monsters Ball match, uh, which, you know, like I said, was was uh one of the highest, highest viewed uh matches in history. And I still get, you know, compliments and get it brought up to me. Oh man, I, I remember your match with Abyss. That was awesome. Blah, blah, blah. It was a cool situation, you know, going through a difficult time in my life. Uh, cause I just lost my grandmother and to be able to go out and, uh, really, I guess the same day that, you know, we had her funeral or no, excuse me, the day after we had her funeral, you know, go out and have that, that kind of match and have it to have that kind of reaction and to have it to where it still stands today. You know, that's a, that's a huge, uh, uh, confidence boost. Right. Right. And when you're talking about someone like the Monster Abyss, he's been in the business a long time too. What's he like as a wrestler? What's he like as, you know, maybe behind the scenes if you know him like that? What What's he like, and and what does he bring to the business of professional wrestling? Chris, as I know him, is a really really nice, really nice, super awesome guy. And honestly, I wouldn't wouldn't have been able or probably would not have made it to impact if it weren't for him. He, uh, he, he had wrestled me a couple of times and we tagged a couple of times and he says, man, there's no way that you shouldn't be on TV. So we, we got to figure out a, a way to make that happen. And so he went and he talked to the uh, higher ups at impact and he got me a trial match. And the only thing I had to do was pay for my, my plane ticket there. It was, you know, a pleasure working with him, just getting to getting to know him and kind of kind of seeing how he did things and, you know, just listening and learning, you know, his 20 years of experience and all the crazy things he's done in the business. You know, he he would advise me, you know, well, you probably should do that or you you need to do this or, you know, always had a, a an encouraging word for me whenever I saw. Him. Right. I think that's one of the benefits when. You know, and I talk to wrestlers who have the opportunity to wrestle or work with someone who's been in wrestling a lot longer than them. You know, I was talking to a young man who was uh, working with uh, EC3 and uh, Weston Blake, and he he just, you know, he even said that he feels like he's been in wrestling longer than he has because how accelerated his training's been with with these guys because they've been around right. for 
quite some time already. Right. What's the the travel schedule like for you? And uh, you you've talked about uh, you've done some international. What what would be a a normal schedule? You know, post COVID. What what's your travel schedule like these days? Well, usually on Mondays, I'm hanging out with my granddaughter, which is not my blood granddaughter. She's actually uh, the daughter of one of my students. And I call it my granddaughter because I was the first person outside of those two to know that she existed. So, you know, it's kind of a, uh, an, an important part of my life. So I spent all day today with her. Uh, she's seven months old and she is getting to that, that phase where she wants to be into everything. And she pulls Papa's beard. Uh, I lose very many beard hairs when I hang out with her. So then uh, Tuesday will come around and I will uh, train. I will train guys and, um, you know, teach them the the ropes. That happens in Bluffton, Indiana. And then I, I come back home. I'm off. Well, not off Wednesday because on, on my downtime or time away from wrestling or training, I'm making gear. Uh, so then Thursday, I do the same thing. And then usually Friday, I'm, I'm taking off and uh, I'm starting to loop. Or, you know, if I'm lucky, I might just have a Saturday show. So I'll go there and I'll come right back. But a lot of times, like last weekend, I, I did Indianapolis and then I did Cincinnati. And then I came back Sunday um, from Cincinnati. You know, it just depends on the situation. Uh, there, there are other times when I, I might fly to a, to a show I think the last show I went to was either in Kansas or North Carolina by flight. Uh, I did get a chance to go and do some motion capture for the video game, the upcoming video game I'm going to be in, be featured in, as a matter of fact, uh, called The Wrestling Code. And that is uh, with Virtual Basement. And you can look them up at Virtual Basement on Twitter, or I believe Virtual Basement has a website and all the stuff where they they post all the links and all the behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, they, they put videos on YouTube and things like that. So you can like get a, an in-depth look as to, to how these video games are made. And it's actually pretty cool. And I'm, I'm so excited for it. I can hardly wait, but yeah, uh, all that in the weekend. And then uh, if I'm lucky, I'll, I'll get to come home and chill on Sunday and then start it back up on Monday. It's got to be pretty exciting uh, knowing that that you're going to be in a video game, your your character. And, you know, but how how did that all come about? The guy contacted me out of nowhere. He says, man, I've been watching you since you've been on Impact and I've been a huge fan. Uh, it might not have been Impact, actually. I think he might have said since JCW. And he just been a, a fan of the character. And it was, it was something that he wanted to feature in his game because he he uh he wants to use people that are standouts um as far as you know character he doesn't want just random guy in trunks you know who for lack of a better uh term looks like your next door neighbor you know out there trying to wrestle he wants people that appear larger than life and uh, apparently congo Kong did that for him so i'm honored to be a part of it you know, I can't wait to, to go back and do some more motion capture. Well, that th those are the kind of wrestlers that I, you know, liked when I was growing up. You know, wrestlers like Kamala, wrestlers like Kabuki, Kendo Nakazaki, you know, 
right. Andre the Giant, you know, King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. I did like the big men. I did like the big wrestlers. Uh, but I did like, you know, like like doing the clown. I I just thought that that stuff was fun, right? And right, you know, a lot of people think, you know, it's a little too some of those characters can be a little too comedic, but I think. I think, you know, you need a little bit of everything in professional wrestling, mm-hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a, a complete lack of characters these days when you watch wrestling. Like, there's nobody to draw you in like there was when, when we were coming up, you know, like The Undertaker. Man, that guy's larger than life. What better way to, 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 uh, to get a fan to want to watch wrestling than to have somebody who you know at the time he was unbeatable he hardly sold any punches or anything like that you know he seemed indestructible and that caused a lot of people to want to connect with that they wanted to to either see him get beat or they wanted to see him destroy people right right and there's a a a certain mystique or or mystery with with those mm-hmm. kind of characters, when you exactly. say yeah. exactly, exactly, and that's that's why for most of my career, you know, Kong hasn't spoke because I feel like once you hear Kong, then you hear Steve Wilson, you hear the human guy behind him, and you know, for for those people who who need to to lay aside the the reality for the moment, suspend their disbelief for a moment. Um, you know, I want I want to keep that in check for them. I want them to to have that experience to where you know they can forget about their everyday life and you know the 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 trials and tribulations they go through, and then come in and be ministered to that good will eventually outweigh evil. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me and talked about how you know they they were on the verge of of you know ending their life or. Um, they had this situation going on or this loved one passed and you know because of something that I did or said or or whatever or some kind of way I made them feel they felt like they can go on a little bit longer and that's that's you know once you get past the initial I want to be a wrestler because it seems like it's cool and you realize what this is all about that you're you're honestly affecting lives and you know uh affecting people's hearts in their day their day-to-day life uh once you get past that and you realize what it is about then you know it becomes way more rewarding you know in a sense and and not just you know worried about how much you're getting paid and things like that but you know you you develop a different kind of drive for it yeah absolutely you wouldn't yeah when you're giving somebody hope right someone who's you know in a bad place and like you said you give them the opportunity to escape and yeah it's got to be a good feeling most definitely yeah, so talk a, talk a little bit about the the congo kong character how it came about you've told me this story before if you yeah, don't mind telling me this again for our listeners and and just kind of how that transition you were wrestling as osiris Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and talk to us a little bit about how that transition came. Right around, I think it was 2009, actually. 
still doing Osiris and I I'd wrestled a couple shows in Chicago for a company called Elite Pro Wrestling. And um, that's where I met Corporal Robinson, uh, also uh, Vito Tomaselli. Um, and they came up with an idea of me wearing uh, trunks, actually, because um, at the time I was wearing singlets and, you know, whatever, whatever I could do to cover myself up. Yeah, I'm a big guy. So, you know, I don't want to hear people tell me I'm a big guy and, you know, I'm going to try to wear something that looks cool, that draws attention to me or, or you know, to to the right things and, and not necessarily, you know, my my quote unquote flaws. Um, but Vito kind of pointed out that uh, um, I'm a big guy. Everybody knows I'm a big guy. Imagine how much bigger I would look in trunks, like how how menacing and scary I'd look in trunks. And I said, OK, so I tried it. I uh, did that and then eventually ran into Corporal Robinson and, and they came up with the idea of presenting me to Violin J and Shaggy of ICP, Insane Clown Posse, um, and possibly bringing me into Juggalo Championship Wrestling, uh, which they did, which, you know, I was booked for a show coming up and uh, they gave me the opportunity. When I got there, though, I was figuring, okay, well, Osiris is going to have to paint his face, which is fine because, you know, that's how I wanted to, to, to do it when I first started, except I didn't know anything about paint and like the paint that I would use would ruin people's gear and stuff. So I got away from that. Then uh, we were in the meeting and we were talking about what was happening on the show and uh, the referee or not the referee, I'm sorry, Corporal Robinson was uh was telling telling us about our segment and he kept saying well Congo Kong's gonna come out and destroy the tag teams that are in the ring blah 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 and I'm looking around and I'm thinking okay this Congo Kong guy must not be here yet because I know everybody here and I don't know of anybody named Kong and then finally he looks at me and he says oh that's your new character your new name you can use it where you want to by the way and I was like oh great I'm gonna be the stereotypical savage that, you know, I didn't want to be because, you know, that's, it seemed to be a thing, you know, back in the day where if you were a black wrestler, um, you were either a rapper, a dancer, or a savage. And I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. If you go back and you look through history, that's kind of the, the options that we had, or you're a gangster some sort of criminal. So I didn't want that. And I fought against it for a while. You know, I felt like, like, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, but then I started to make money and I started to go places. And I, I, I took my ever, my first ever flight as Congo Kong. First time ever making three digits in a match, you know, was as Congo Kong. So you know, I kind of grew accustomed to it, I guess. And I decided that I, instead of being the big dumb savage, I would try to make it my own and incorporate, you know, uh, some different characters like Warrior and Vader and uh, Undertaker, and, you know, different, different guys that I looked up to coming up and see uh, what I can come up with as far as an ultimate kind of character. And I say Warrior, you know, because Warrior was a savage, but he spoke and he sounded intelligent when he did it. 
but yet he still his character was still a savage. So um, you know, it's just something kind of that I, I, it grew from there, and more people were wanting to see it. You know, we had the the eye pay per view, internet pay per view thing going, and so it was getting some traction, and I was developing fans all over the world. Uh, the next thing would be to figure out how to use that and incorporate that uh, outside of JCW, but it didn't take much because people were watching, and the more people watched, the more they wanted Congo Kong, and the more I was like, I really don't want to paint my face and go out there and act crazy. I'm going to charge them a ridiculous amount of money, or at least what I thought was a ridiculous, and uh, see if they bite on it, and they did. <laughs> so here we are, uh, 2022 from 2009 and you know it's pretty much the bulk of what i do wow yeah that's that's interesting and that good for you good for you hey i was something that you brought up that i never thought of was you know the makeup you know mm -hmm. and i've seen uh your makeup and it's not always the same sometimes it's mm -hmm. it looks very elaborate sometimes it looks very you know, it always looks good, right? But I mean, how long does it take to, and, and, and what were some of the things you had to learn to wear makeup like that in the ring? Because you had mentioned, you know, something where you can't ruin or so you won't ru ruin uh, your opponent's gear and stuff like that. I got that information from a guy named Phil Monahan. He would always paint his face and I asked him, what, what type of paint do you use? He's like, craft paint from walmart in the craft section and he's like it's way cheaper than anything else you'll buy and you have so many options and so i was like okay is it bad for your skin no not bad at all okay all right so i tried it and you know um at first i wasn't painting my, my own face you know i'd have other people paint me for me um and i had a specific kind of pattern I would use and then it just kind of evolved from there because you know just like Undertaker eventually had to go from you know the dead man in the gray gloves to the dead man in the purple gloves to American badass to uh demon taker whatever he was you know towards the end of his career you know you have to evolve and you have to you have to do stuff different in order to keep people drawn in I would say you know, and so, you know, with that, you know, my face paint would change, you know, and I, I have a couple patterns that are really quick and they take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to do. And then I have some that, you know, I've been freehand doing a lot of freehand lately. And sometimes that can take 30 or 40 minutes. It just depends on, you know, the situation and how crazy I want to get with it. And again, you know, it's just, some that, you know, after you've done it so many times, you kind of pick up on what works and how to do it and, you know, all sorts of different things. And I'm always looking for new colors or new types of paint and, you know, stuff like that just to keep things fresh. Right, right. And you mentioned evolving. That that seems to really be the the magical thing in wrestling is, mm -hmm. is when wrestlers evolve you know, and change things up. I'm probably one of the best. It's got to be Chris Jericho, you know, mm -hmm. but you'll, you'll watch people on the scene and you'll see a different hairstyle or, you know, a different, a new outfit or, you know, how do you, 
with your character, how do you, you know, add new things or how do you uh, keep that in mind and, and stay on top of that as far as the evolution of your character? Really just plug and play is what I'll, what I'll say. You know, you, you throw something in there and see if it works. If it works, you keep it. If it doesn't work, you toss it out. You know, you, you, you're done with it the next time. Um, fortunately, I've been pretty fortunate. And then also, uh, I haven't made my own gear. And then, you know, having influences like, you know, Jeff Jarrett and, and stuff. He, he, he came up to me and he's like, from the neck up, I see monster. But from the neck down, I see regular wrestler, you know, because I was just wearing trunks and I was like, OK, well. What do you suggest I do to to make that different? And so he kind of uh, came up with the idea for the flaps, you know, which I've uh, been running with for the last three or four years. And, you know, I'm kind of I wouldn't say outgrowing or, or whatever, but I'm ready to go back to something a little more simpler, I guess. Um, you know, at least every now and again, and not have to wear that flap every time. So it just, you know, you have to find ways to 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 reinvent and be creative and still try not to look like the next guy, because that's what we have uh, way too much of these days is that guys that look like the next guy, and they can't understand why they uh, can't get booked or why you know, they'll go out there and basically kill themselves in a match and it still does no good for their career. Well, it's because you don't do anything to set yourself apart. You know, sure, you're the same size as a lot of guys, but again, having that character, you know, that that person that fans can really grasp a hold of and love or hate and, you know, still know who that person is as opposed to that one guy that did that one cool move that makes all the difference. Right. And you do a really good job at that of standing out. You know, when I first started my website, I would see you on posters and I started asking my friends was like, you know, who is this guy? You know, because you definitely caught my eye. And, you know, at the, the show where I saw you at in Dallas last summer, uh, my wife was with me and, uh, you know, I told her today, I said, hey, you remember Congo Kong? She goes, yeah, I remember him. So, I mean, and she's not a wrestling fan. <laughs> Good. That's, see, that's what I'm talking about because there's a lot of guys. I have to tell trainees all that that all the time. Like, listen, come up with something that is different. You you say you want to be a cocky hill, but why, is, why would I hire your cocky hill over this cocky hill over here? You know, who, who basically presents me the same thing. You know what I mean? You have to come up with something that separates you from him and the 30 other cocky hills that you have on a show. Right, right. You mentioned about making your own gear. Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, not only do you make your own gear, but you make gear for for other wrestlers to to purchase. And, and talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit how you got started with that. I got started with that back in 2007. Um, basically, it was hard to find me a reliable gear maker because people, you know, they don't always work with spandex, so they don't know how to use it, you know. And and the guy that was uh, that was on top of the gear world back then was Easy Money, and everybody went to him. So you know, you you could 
have a weight, you know, and I've sent them, sent them a couple messages and, and whatnot, you know, saying, Hey, I need some gear. How much would this cost? And never getting a reply. And so it got to a point where the lady I had at church who sold, I would have her make, you know, singlets or whatever. And she did an okay job. Um, I think again, because she didn't know, you know, the mechanics of wrestling, it didn't really uh, work as well. Like, you know, I'd have these baggy singlets that, you know, they were stylish, but like they they didn't fit. And I, I would always want them to fit a little tighter. And, you know, we could never come to an agreement on that situation. Um, so eventually I, I walked into a, a store and I saw an open box sewing machine and it was dirt cheap. And so I had that money on me and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And so I bought it and I went home and um, started playing with it. And then through, you know, over time, through talking with other guys in the locker room, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Because there were other other guys learning how to make gear as well, you know, picked up how to, you know, put the the uh, designs on, uh, how to measure people, how to how to work with different fabrics and you know all sorts of things and it just kind of it kind of came to you know it, it we became a community of gear makers you know and then eventually you know now nowadays it seems like you, you can throw a stone in here hit a gear maker because everybody's like oh yeah i got a sewing machine and i know how to do all this stuff or whatever but you know it uh it still is uh a very niche thing. Like I, I stay busy and I stay booked up way ahead. Like I'm, I'm, I'm behind almost, you know, cause I've had so many orders that I'm, I'm trying to play catch up on. So, you know, when I get off here, I'll spend five, six, seven hours working on gear tonight, you know, and see what I come up with. And then I'll, I'll get up tomorrow before training and I'll work on them then. And then after training, I work on them then. When when wrestlers give you an order, do they give you a design or they say, this is what I have in mind? Uh, what do you suggest? I mean, how, how does that work? Do they have like a blueprint written out or is it specific or do you pretty much have, you know, open range on some some guys? 90% of the time they have a design. I'd, I'd rather have it that way because then at least I can see what it is that they're thinking. If they tell me then their uh, their communication of it and my interpretation of it might be off. So I'd rather them, it, at the very least, even if they are a, a terrible artist, you know, draw something up, let me know what you want where, and then I can find something and make it work and make it sit there, you know, and, and, and then sometimes I, I'll have creative ideas and I'll say, hey, uh, do you mind if I have some freedom on this? You know, in most cases, they don't care. Yeah, go ahead. And, and you know, mostly that's that's done with my friends. That way, if it, if it does backfire or whatever, um, I can take care of the situation and not have to worry about somebody being dissatisfied or, you know, going to Facebook or Twitter and saying, oh, he's a horrible gear maker, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, people and Internet. I know nothing about that at all so <laughs> hey you know when you're talking about like the gear and stuff uh, 
do you you make most of this stuff for guys that you know that are local or you know does somebody from texas reach out to you or i mean you know i've seen they're going to have to give the the correct measurements and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen gear all over the world. And, um, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I I do have to make a trip to the the post office and send some gear to to Texas because people are going to WrestleMania or going to be, you know, wrestling this coming weekend and they requested it for then. So send it all over the place and get orders from all over the place, all over the States. Um, Canada, uh, gear that has been worn on TV several times. Uh, India, uh, I haven't made any for anybody in China, but in England I have. Um, and yeah, it's you know, it's kind of cool actually when you you see somebody you know on TV and they're wearing your gear, and you kind of think to yourself, well, this match is sponsored by Juggernaut Gear, you know. It's not my official official name, but it's kind of what I call my company, Juggernaut Gear. And where can people, if people were interested in in getting your gear, where would they go? The easiest place to find me for gear is on Facebook. Uh, look me up under Steve Wilson, or if you want to look up Juggernaut Gear, it has a page as well. Um, send me a message, and uh, we can get started on it. You know, just uh, send me a message. Hopefully, have a design in mind. And if it's not, you know, too ridiculous, then, you know, most likely we can, uh, we can make something work. You know, that is the one skill that my mom tried to teach me. My mom was a sewer. It was the one skill that I didn't pick up that today I wish I knew how to sew. Right. Right. Yeah. You too can be a part of this giant gear community. (laughs) yeah and you know it's just it's a it's a skill that you know not everybody just not everybody can do and to know how to do that would be i think would be really cool yeah to just to be able to fix something or to mend something if you if you needed to you know Mm -hmm. but you know yeah if i had if i wasn't writing books and you know, keeping up a website and interviewing wrestlers, maybe I would have some free time to make some gear. I'd be right. a partner. <laughs> right. So, so Steve, uh, what's on the horizon for you? What's going, what's going on in the near future? What, what can we see from you coming up soon? Um, just look for me on one of your local posters, really. Um, I got some, uh, some, some cool trips coming up and, you know, nothing, nothing really like huge planned or anything like that, at least not yet. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to keep riding this thing till the wheels falls off, you know, till I can't wrestle anymore, till I can't, you know, figure out how to go in there and entertain the fans without killing myself, essentially. You know, so yeah, look for me on one of your local posters, you know, help support indie wrestling because it's very important. It's vital, you know, to, to the wrestling business. Um, it's where, you know, some of your, some of your heroes, like, uh, I would say Chris Jericho and, uh, CM Punk and, and Daniel Bryan, those guys, they, they all started on the, on the indie level. They didn't always already jump into the machine, you know, into the WWE machine and then go from there. 
you know, a lot of us started on this level and worked our way up and then, you know, end up back on this level. So um, support your local wrestling. Chances are you might be supporting the next superstar, the next top guy. And what I think is really neat about you is, is that, you know, you love wrestling. You, you, you've been wrestling and now you're, you're making gear. You've been making gear for, golly, you said 2007. So I guess do the math on that. It's what, 15, 15 years? years? Yeah. And so wrestling has has been professional wrestling has been what's supporting you and you found a way to to do it, you know. And I'm sure sometimes mm-hmm. with the if the bookings are slow, uh, I'm sure that maybe your orders are up. If your orders are down, the bookings are up. It's gotta, you know, but you it found a way to make it work. Yeah, it definitely balances out. Okay, Steve, so where can fans find you on social media? Again, uh, look me up at Steve Wilson on on, uh, Facebook, or if you type in Congo Kong, I have a a like page that you can also reach me at. Uh, If you are looking to become trained as a professional wrestler, look up my, my Professor Kong's Professional Wrestling Academy page. If you're on Instagram, you can reach me at Kanga Osiris, K-O-N-G-O-S-Y-R-I-S, 78. And if you're on Twitter, which I'm really hardly ever on there, it's at Real Congo Kong, but I can be reached on there as well. Okay, very good. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. I always enjoy talking to you. So, you know, I wrote a story about you about two years ago, I think it was, maybe, maybe even three years ago. So, you know, me and you've kept in contact. We've messaged each other. I got to meet you in person last summer, mm-hmm. which was nice. So, you know, we've been yes, sir. acquaintances and becoming friends. So uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for giving me your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Oh, not a problem. And we can always do this again if you want. Looking forward to it. All right. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Eric find out in his book Lance by Chance Wrestling as a Von Eric you'll read stories about Chris Adams Rick Flair and Billy Jack Haynes and of course the Von Eric family themselves get your book today on Amazon PWC Podcast with Rick Del Santo for all your wrestling reviews interviews and news Rick covers the United Wrestling Network the NWA the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC. 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 PWC.